0: This podcast contains potentially adult language, adult themes, definitely drinking, and possibly sexual context. Listener discretion is advised. Okay, welcome to Drinking with Authors, the Literary Briefs edition. I'm your host, Erica Lamps. Co-hosting today with me is... Valerie Willis. And we are with the multi-talented Megan Mackey, not just the author, multi-talented.
1: multi-talented. Ooh.
0: Okay, Ooh.
1: Renaissance woman.
0: Oh, Renaissance! I can't. No, that was that was terrible. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. So, what I'm drinking because we're gonna share what we're drinking so people can continue to drink long is this Angry Orchard Peach Mango. Which is so delicious because Angry Orchard is usually really pretty sweet to me. I have to, I have to cut it with whiskey. Oh, oh <laughs> terrible! I know how horrible is that life existence. But this one, I don't have to do that with. But I had three hours of sleep last night, so this is hitting me delightfully. Val, what are you drinking? Because what? you said it wrong. Do <laughs> you put food in your mouth? Where did you find food? How is was that possible? I told you not to eat during the podcast. You know, she's,
1: she's drinking a Valerie Island iced tea. Yeah, it's a
0: Valerie Long Island iced tea, which basically means you just put a bunch of whiskey and iced tea. I a Long Island iced tea. I love you. Okay. I don't know where you found that secret stash of candy, but get your hand the hell out of it. You? I choose.
2: They're
1: amazing. Have you had these? Okay, Megan, what are you drinking? I am drinking what is left of my bourbon sour in my little tiki grogu cup. Oh, that is so adorable. Mm-hmm. I love that cup. Um, Valerie, this is where you're not supposed to eat on the podcast. We've talked
0: about this many, many times.
2: What a little nibble. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the, we, I made a podcast where she was literally putting grapes in her mouth and almost <laughs> choked on the grapes and she drew. A- They're <laughs> yelling
2: on the podcast. You can listen to it. They're yelling, quick, take the grapes from her. <laughs> <laughs> Take the apples away from her in the second podcast. It's terrible. <laughs> okay.
0: So, this is rapid fire questions. Megan,
1: are you ready? All right. Hit me. Okay. The first one is What is your favorite book of all time? The True Confessions of Charlotte Doyle. Oh, why? Uh, it was the first book I read where the female protagonist became a badass pirate. I love oh. badass pirates. Yeah. It was the first idea I had that women could be adventurous. I love that. Okay, what is the worst book you've ever read? Uh, I didn't finish it, so... That's going to be my follow-up question. I like
0: that she's looking back. We can't see anything. It's like a magical darkness behind her, but she's looking (laughs) back and she's going to be like, you fell creature on the bookshelf. You come hither. I hate (laughs) you. I'm going to toss
1: you asunder again. What was the worst book I'd ever read? Um I I actually guess I, I, I choose not to say because that person I wouldn't want to offend them because I probably know them in real life. So
2: what is oh. a turn off? What will make you do not finish? Mm. What will oh, make God. you do not finish? Did you think that was a whole I could, sentence? I, I don't know. Well, I she know she she's thinking about it, which means she understood. Communication yeah, no. happened.
1: No, now I know what book I would say is my least favorite. Uh, Stranger in a Strange land. Oh. The reason that um, when you just ask what book will make you not finish, that was the first book I read in middle school where he, without any any doubt whatsoever, said it was a woman's fault if she got raped. Oh, yeah. anything like that where you take away a, f- a woman's agency, or or put in that toxic level of stuff, I will stop reading. I mean, I had to finish that book because it was for school, but that was was something that shocked me so badly. I almost didn't pick it up again. Wow. I I didn't have that kind of shock until George R.R. Martin had The Red Wedding. And then it was like, again, three days before I picked the book back up again. I was like, God damn it. (laughs) I was just like, I... Can't handle this, and I'm told I'm not the only person. No, that I, yeah, no, yeah. I will also not finish a book with um, child death in it, and that's ever since I started having kids. And well, starting I, I had two. I completed the having part. <laughs> um,
0: <laughs> you've been having them for like ten years, it's right? Fine. Right.
1: But child death in any form of entertainment, I ha- I just can't. I get some of the, the artistic implications. I get some of the motivation, but to actually watch it, I mean, it is a tragic thing that happens in real life. And I feel stories are an entertainment or about, you know, trying to sh- tell the ideal of ourselves. So we do not need to show this as a means of entertainment. It is a tragic truth that we must try to stop. But unless there's something more to it than that, I have a very difficult time with it. I mean, the closest I came to being all right-ish about it was in WandaVision, honestly. And even then, I was kind of like, oh, that's almost too much. It kind of helps that they don't actually exist.
0: No, that makes sense. I'll I'll tell you, when I was pregnant with my son, um, Titanic came out. Mm. And, um, I went to see it with uh, my ex-husband, my husband at the time, but my ex-husband and I started, um, I went and saw it, didn't do great during the, but it's such a great movie. And he's like, let's go watch it again. Not because of me. I just was like, this is really, I'm not doing well with this. But the next time we went the second, like the, it was getting to the second half of the movie, like my, my body was involuntarily shaking. And I was like, no, nope, no, nope, no, nope, gotta go, gotta go, gotta yeah, leave, you sure. can't do this. You know, I know I understand that completely.
1: Um, and like, There's a great book out there by, um, I cannot remember her name. And everyone's talking about it, like children of bones or something like that, where it starts out with child death. And that's what's preventing me from reading it. And everyone talks about it. And it's acclaimed and it's well award-winning and it's so amazing. And it's so powerful. And I'm like, yeah, I can't pick it up. I can't do it. I can't go through that. I, I you know, anything to do with child death. It's just too hard.
0: Well, it makes sense. I we've talked to a lot of people that can't read books that have animals die or specifically dogs die. Apparently those people can handle cat death, but if a dog dies, it's like a whole other Schipo.
1: Yeah. Schipo. I sympathize with the feeling if I do not even if I cannot understand those sentiments. <laughs> I love yeah. my dogs, don't get me wrong, but I'm just kind of like, yeah, children, dogs, I don't feel like they're equal.
0: No, well. I'm, I can't say
1: that to my sister. Yeah, I was going to say, there are some people that that is not
0: the case, and to them, mm-hmm. they are completely equal. Mm-hmm. Um, do you leave
1: reviews? Do I read reviews? I no, have do you been... leave... Well, that's another question. Do you oh, read oh do I there? leave reviews? If I <laughs> leave a review, I leave it anonymously because I don't want to offend anybody that I may have to work with personally. Um, and you don't know, like, like, I don't ever want to leave a bad review for someone else because one, the algorithm, I mean, it, it's just like, it doesn't really do any help. There's people who I think believe that their review will improve the author's stories. And it doesn't. The whole point of a review is to feed the algorithm at Amazon to make things happen. And if there's going to be, any true feedback to improve an author that'll be between them and their editors um and and so i i try if i if i read a book that is so bad that i would leave a bad review i either tell the author i'm not going to leave you a review or if they never bring it up again i just don't say anything um, because it is a business and we are dealing with, um, people whose whole lives are, are all about tearing other people down. And I'd rather be a person who is defined by what they love than defined by what they hate.
0: No, I think that makes sense. Do you get asked to read a lot of books? I mean, I, we, I talked to a lot of authors that don't, um, volunteer generally to read books. I mean, my answer most time when I'm asked is that I'm very busy. I, I just don't, yeah. it depends on the person. And I hate to say that, but the fact is, is that if you read the book and there's somebody that you aren't a professional or whatever, and they bring it up again, and you're like, oh,
1: no, that was, uh, it was bad.
0: It was bad. And I didn't like it. I don't like the things. Ew. You know? Yeah.
1: I mean, when I was in the artist alley, um, and I, it, it came up a lot. we people would always want to do exchanges with you. Um, because they're, they just need more reviews. And I get the need for it. But there were too many Artist Alley books that never should have been printed. That were just like, these are not good. These are not worthy stories. The, the You need to go see an editor. You need to do more work before I would really have felt good about giving this any kind of review at this point. Um, so when I got up into Bard's tower, that's when I had to stiffen my spine and I had to go like, no, I don't read other people's work and leave reviews. There is one person in my life that there is an exception to that because he, um, reads and reviews everything I write within minutes and puts a big review up and, and promotes it stuff. So I feel like, and his books, most of the time are fairly very good. Like I actually enjoy his writing. Um, and, and so I feel kind of like there is a reciprocal relationship there that is worth preserving by reading other people's books. But now I try to read books. I'm genuinely interested in like right now I'm reading a book from another author in the tower uh, called the empire of silence. And it's literally a proper a toddler up to the dining room table thick. So I'm listening to it on audiobook. but it was one of those where I started listening to it and I was like, Oh no, this is good. This is good this is a really decent book. This is like, okay, this is fun. And it's like, it's a futuristic Dune-like sci-fi story with epic empires and, and counts and interstellar travel and, you know, gladiators and stuff like that. And so it's just like, it's fun to listen to and it's very, very good. But now I'm like looking because the other thing I found when I was reading other people's books was that it was kind of killing my desire to read And my desire to read was what brought me here. I like to just enjoy books and I want to read books to enjoy, not because it's work. And that's what it was becoming. It was becoming work. So I um, am now making a conscious effort to read books that I actually want to read and find enjoyable and to refresh my cup so that i'm i'm prepared to write my own stories like the this other book i'm reading right now is a star trek book from my friend john jackson miller it's the it's the new one so sorry john i forgot the title um but it's about <laughs> one of it's the characters from picard. She's forgiven yeah she's it's forgiven she's been yeah, drinking she's, for an hour i'm drinking lost. i'm drinking a lot um <laughs> it, it's about that character from picard who has the ship and he's really you know sexy and spanish and stuff and this is how he got the ship is what the story is about basically and I'm, I'm having a ball with it because, of course, he brought in the gangster planet is the one who he's in Hawk to for the ship. And, and as absurd as that Star Trek gangster planet is, he gives a lot of justification for how it even exists. And I'm just like, I'm finding this really fun. So I'm, I'm really enjoying reading that book. Um, but it, it again, if I wasn't, I'd, I'd have put it down and just never told him that I didn't read it.
0: No, I totally get what you mean. I used to do a lot of like um people would give me books and then on Goodreads for a while before they Amazon got a hold of Goodreads, um, where you could post a free copy of your book to get reviews, and now you have to pay like $125 to post a free copy of your book, which are anyway. Go well, we'd go Amazon monetizing everything, but um, I remember I was on there and I got a few books and I felt obligated to read them because the author gave them and write a review. Mm-hmm. I got like three in a row that were really bad. really bad. They were really bad. There was one that was so incredibly painful to get through. Mm-hmm. And I went, I can't do this anymore because for me, if I get pushed out of a story, and I mean, it sounds similar, like generally you won't finish something. I won't finish. This is the way I've been my entire life besides these books where I felt like I had to because that was the whole point is they give you a book if you read it and write a review. And um, I will truck a book in 2.5 seconds if it pushes me out of the story too much. Like if I can't get back into it, I can't stay into it. Mm-hmm. And, it's i'm finding that with the audiobooks too like if i start down an audiobook path and after a little while if it starts to become almost like white noise
1: and i have to go wait wait
0: Which where whereas i go back yeah. i'm like oh i don't want to listen to this anymore yeah no
1: yeah. <laughs> you shouldn't read it
2: yeah. uh i i was i had some great mentors um because it was a group, a UK group that I found on autonomy.com. I don't know if anyone remembers that, but it was Harper Collins, little indie publisher. And if you got big rankings there, they would finally offer you a contract kind of give me hope to the self publishers kind of angle. But I found some amazing folks and they said, do not agree to read everyone's stuff. What you agree to is critique partner." or swapping chapters for edits. And that I think was one of the best pieces of advice I got early on. Um, because every time someone's like, hey, hey, read my book and review it. No, I won't. But if you would like me to edit your first chapter or first pages, I'll swap you some pages so I could gain something back that way it's sort and then it it also improves my ability to write because editing and critiquing someone's work and seeing their mistakes you then go back to yours and you're like oh my god i'm making this i'm doing this you you freak out because you see see some of that in your work um find the word that to see
0: how many times you said the word that in a manuscript uh, yeah or or how often your characters realize things you know you can keep bringing that up but (laughs) (laughs) this is sassy pants <laughs> I at least didn't put my name wrong on my own book. Yes, I did. Oh, that oh. Was bad. yeah. Her husband noticed it on the spine. I have the book.
2: <laughs> I'm going to show <laughs> it on the
1: lectures <laughs> edition.
2: 2 a.m. Graphic design work with kids does not bode well. Wow. Spelling the name of Valerie. I don't know if I, I am remember. Valir now. Valir Willis. Nice to meet you. That's beautiful. There it is, right there, Valerie. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Because she spelled it correctly on the actual cover, just <laughs> on, spine, on the fine, she spelled it
1: wrong.
0: Screen. Got yeah. it. So, you know, just this is a collector. This is going to be worth millions
1: at some yeah. point. I have a of books like that. Not like that exact problem, but like definitely like my early indie versions are like some days these will be worth something at auction. Yeah, raised <laughs> <You guys laughs> for children's hospitals and stuff. Do you read reviews?
0: That was the other question. Um, do you
1: read? Your I reviews? I do. I have been. T- sternly spoken to about it to stop doing that and to only listen to what editors say and not what reviews say but up until the last year I was reading other people's reviews and being both elated and discouraged
0: no I think reviews if you can take them with a grain of salt that it just not might not be for that person who's mm-hmm. You know, it's part of it is it's easy to troll on the internet. We all know that. We've all heard that story. So if you can take it with a grain of salt and go, cool, they didn't like my book, moving
1: on. If you take it as a personal affront, what? I have one one one-star review that I absolutely love. Oh, what did they say? So this was obviously somebody who met me at a con because she talks about like, oh, this book is badly edited. Oh, this book is like the cover looks like everything's bad about it. And then after about a paragraph of that at the bottom, she says, I had to finish it. I needed to know how it ended. That's a good review. (laughs) One star
0: review. Uh, You know what? I don't think people quite understand the star thing sometimes either.
1: We're going to have one. That's the one to freaking have. So she had to finish it. It was a compelling story that story. she had to, had to finish despite what she considered editing edit- errors and stuff and formatting I, issues. I have a book called Sleeping with Sasquatch under my pen name, Honey Cummings.
2: And I have a one-star review because she's upset at how unrealistic it is for his friends to leave him in the forest. He's a Sasquatch. He's a
1: Sasquatch.
2: <laughs> that was fine. That was the perfectly fine part <laughs> oh, it was the fact that his friends left him in the forest because he couldn't change back and when his, he called his friend to say what the fuck and he goes don't worry you just need to find someone to screw and he says well I'm in the forest he goes I'm going to put into Craigslist ad she was mad at that
1: <laughs> oh man <sighs> I
0: love readers what? readers are so much fun <laughs> thank cute.
1: Yes. I, I do remember we're getting two reviews that blew my mind. Um, the first review said the pacing of this book is way too fast. You need to slow it down. I had a hard time following. And then the, the second review on the same day said your book is too slow. You need to hurry it up and get to the meat. And I was like, okay. <laughs> okay. So I feel like this is this and this and it washes itself
0: out. Moving on to the next thing.
1: Right. It was like a canceled out. So I guess the book's fine. Yeah.
0: So what is your favorite book or a uh, book to movie or TV show?
1: Hmm. Book to movie. Book to movie. Hmm. I would say it would be the Jane Eyre the version that had um oh fuck what's his name St- Toby Stevens in it Okay that one I thought you know it it what whether they took some liberties or not I thought was beside the point I think they captured the spirit of those characters so very well and so very believably that that was the one where I was to, like cuz like yes he was a rake and a cad but you kind of got why he was doing it. And I've never really seen another version of Jane Eyre where I was like, I, I really understand the impossible situation he was in and why he tried to justify to himself why this was going to be working and going to be okay. Um, so that's the one that comes to mind for for that. Um, what was the second part of the question? TV show.
0: From TV a book. show
1: from a book. Um, I keep thinking of Lucifer, except I never actually read the comic book by Neil Gaiman. I just knew of it. So when I saw the TV show, I mean, if you want to talk about a a TV show that embodies what an urban fantasy is, that show really does it. I think they really capture it really well. And I think it was the first police procedural of absurdity that I completely believed he was getting away with being a, a police consultant because he's the devil. So he wanted it to happen. So he made it happen. And it was like, yes, I believe that. I don't believe this. These other things like the author who wants to be a a consultant or the mentalist or whatever. I was like, but the devil. Oh yeah. The devil would totally do that. I completely believe that absurdity. That's the only time it made sense.
0: Are there any books to movies or TV shows that you were like this that was the worst thing humanly possible. You can't count any Stephen
1: King one because. Yeah, because those are really reinterpretations. Yeah. I mean. I know there have been. But I kind of blocked them out. Yeah. I find it's it difficult because. I, you
0: wrote plays. I've written plays. Yeah. I've written screenplays. When I see them do that, it irritates me because I go, oh, my God, just give it to me. I could have fixed this. What part of the story did you want to tell? Yes. Not this amalgamation and weird interpreted scenes that weren't in. I'm like, you had an entire book. You did not have to invent any scenes because you had a whole book. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean and then they take it and i'm like this wasn't in the book
1: at all yeah it's like i can understand adding things to um modernize a story like um you know honestly the lord of the rings series as much as people maybe want to bitch about the things he added to it and stuff it was very testosterone heavy and i think there was room in the story to add the female elements the female characters it, and to extrapolate things out of it so it's sort of like what was the what's the goal of adding or replacing scenes like um one of my mentors melinda snodgrass who she wrote on um star Trek. she wrote a lot of the data episodes and oh we have
2: we uh, melinda
1: okay is you've had melinda bad, yeah. she's I'm my mentor bad. yeah <laughs> what and, an
2: awesome mentor
1: yes yes i do have an awesome mentor <laughs> um but she like very very succinctly explained to me how like you know, you can't have everything in the books in the TV show, movie, whatever, because the mediums don't necessarily translate. And sometimes you need to just uh, billboard it and move on, or you need to take it out because it doesn't make sense outside of prose, as you would think, Like, because trying to faithfully adapt something might actually make the story worse. Um, So, you know, once she said that, I've, I've seen more of that in translations when things go up on screen that you can't really... Yeah, like, I'll look at my own books and read something. I'm like, no, there's no visually good way to do that. There just just isn't. It only makes sense in the prose because I'm giving an opinion through the narrator's voice of what that's supposed to look like. And it's not going to translate very, that idea will not translate onto the screen. So so I expect that if and when this story is picked up by Netflix <coughs> that um that scene will get dropped I didn't know
2: in the universe be really
1: interpreted
0: well that or write right the screenplays.
1: Yeah, write them myself or or something like that. And that is something that Melinda has talked to me about. Like if I wanted to see it done, I should try to write the pilot of my yeah, own you do.
0: Movie. You write it, you storyboard it, you give it to them because you've kind of got to go, here is a silver platter in yeah. which thing is because then they'll go oh this is brilliant especially the kind of stories you're telling now it's ripe with it i would absolutely do that if i was you yeah you could lucky devil, that could go on for quite some time
1: yeah and bare minimum if it doesn't come to pass i i tried something new and i i experimented with a different format and there is nothing lost there
0: yeah no i think that is a brilliant brilliant idea yeah okay. well,
1: so now- after con season
0: everything needs to be after con season
1: or truncated con season where we're taking a year's worth of cons and shoving them into three months oh we
2: know know. (sighs) what's
0: really funny to me right now is there are a lot of um cons going up that the literary tracks they're pulling the people who do them are kind of bailing on them i'm getting calls all the time hey will you come run this literary track will you come run this and i'm like where is everybody? Did
2: it reach bail
1: on this season? Like seriously. Yeah, no, I am this next weekend I am going to Kansas City Planet Comic Con, then I have a weekend off and then I'm going to Dragon Con, then I'm going to Connecticon, then I'm going to Fanex and then I get to go home. So 3 weeks later I will get to go home because that's how truncated this all is. But wow. it's definitely been like I took such a hit in 2020 that's like if I don't front load this and get my star rising again, it may not ever go up again. Now, I, 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 that was what I was thinking two months ago when I agreed to do it. Now I'm a little less like after Pensacon and after Raleigh Comic Con. I'm like maybe I'd be fine. <laughs> uh,
0: I, I think you'd be perfectly
1: yeah. fine. Okay, Val.
2: Final question. It better be epic. Final question: What do you consider your worst uh, or your uh, bad habits for writing, or writing bad habit? Like, like we were discussing, she her characters are realizing things. Mine are constantly uh, staring at you.
1: they gazing at each other. I blink stare, a lot. so
2: much. You my characters
1: ex- my characters will express surprise by double blinking all the time. And that gets really complicated when one of the ways to in- turn on a cybernetic enhancement is to triple br- blink. And I absolutely drove my editor crazy trying to determine how many times was I too repeating it too much. So now I'm I'm working on my characters having other expressions of surprise or disbelief. And and, and but I like blinking. I apparently must blink in my life all the time when I'm surprised, because I think that's what happens whenever whenever you're surprised is to double blink.
0: You know, it's interesting. We have these little habits as writers and some of them, they go away. And then some of them are like, you know, everybody shrugging. Let's everybody shrugs every encounter they have. They're like, I shrugged at the blah, blah. He shrugged at the blah, blah. I'm like. Okay, search shrug when you're turning in your manuscript. Search
2: please
0: when you turn in your manuscript.
1: You know what made me feel better about it, though? Because mm. I, I condensed read uh, Jim Butcher's uh, Peace Talks and Battlegrounds. And it's amazing how many people are using raw power.
2: Raw power. raw power.
1: raw power. Raw power. Raw power. It was utter raw power. And I was like, even he does it. Even he's got one. And I was like, that makes me feel better.
2: Oh, I think we all have one. It's just we all have one. That's it's- why we like asking that question because there's always something a little different. Like uh, at one point, I think our uh, editor, Jen, in one of her books, she kept naming all the the background characters with J names or something like that. No, she still does that. She's- She's still- <laughs> I played role-playing
0: games with her and every character's got a J name. And I remember we were playing a Sword of Truth role-playing game and I'm like, the fourth person we ran into, I'm like, you know, you take notes and I'm like, okay, there's a letter other than J in the alphabet. Pick any one of them and <laughs> make twenty-five fair same But we'll never keep track of everybody we're interacting with if they're like Jim, James, Jacob. I'm like, stop it. Just stop it right now.
1: Oh. Yep. Oh, my goodness. It's amazing okay. how many Jim authors there are because it's like... Um, you know, who are you talking about? Are you talking about like Jim Butcher, James Marsters, uh, you know, Jim Cummings. I, I just like, there's so many gems in the industry. It's, it's so insane. James Patterson. Oh yes.
0: I cannot wait to hang out, with <laughs> season, we're gonna, we're gonna hang out in real life. I'm super excited. season, yeah. but we're going to, we're going to hang out in real life. I'm super excited to do that. Okay. So um, to find you, your book one is out right now for the Finder of the Lucky Devil, right? Yes, that one's been reissued. Completely. And the other ones are coming
1: shortly. The other ones are coming shortly. Like you can still find physical copies of, of Saint of Liars and Death in the Crone and, and uh, Saint Code Lost um, because Amazon still has some in their warehouse. But the new versions, which is basically a much better cover, um, will be out very shortly, like by September, no later
0: very cool Ed. your new series is called
1: the silver-blooded
0: science the silver-blooded science you have been fabulous to have on this show thank you so much for being here okay this has been drinking with authors literary briefs i've been your host erica lance
2: and
1: your
0: co-host valerie willis and megan mackey has been our guest and we'll see you next time